All right. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Hope Church Online. It's good to see some of your faces. Um, I hope you, when you are able and we're into the service, you, if you're willing to show me your face, that'll help me feel like I'm talking to real people and not just the stuffed animals in the sanctuary. So that, that would be helpful for me later. But uh, welcome if you're tuning in on Facebook. We're glad you're here. My name is Nate. I'm the, the pastor here. And uh, before we begin our service, just have a couple quick notes, uh, a couple quick announcements. Uh, like I said, we're, we're in a holding pattern like everyone else in the country waiting on New York to, to reopen. So continue to pray towards that. Um, I would just say last week, it was great to listen to everyone visit before the service. So if that's something you would like to do, I mean, you are welcome to tune in 10, 15 minutes early and just catch up with each other on the week. You know, it's just a good way to see how we're doing. We're going to do that as well afterwards uh, to talk to each other in breakout rooms. Uh, second, I just want to continue to thank you for your continued support from afar. Uh, it is it's encouraging to get a spending report from, from Jim Cornick and, and Treasury report and just see that giving is maintaining, we are maintaining, and that's because of your generosity and desire to see the gospel uh, go forth, uh, even, even online. So thank you for your faithfulness. It's, it's encouraging for all of us. And the, the only other announcement is just continue to remember the, the BACA team. Uh, these are diaconal folks who are taking applications, who are interacting with um, people who, because of all kinds of reasons, but specifically the COVID crisis, you know, they're not able to pay rent, they're not able to pay utilities, and we get to participate in that work. So, so pray for them to have wisdom, to know when to give, when to, to, to speak, when to help, and then just how, how to do this well, uh, to do it, uh, to be the hands and feet of Christ Jesus to them. All right, well, why don't we take a moment I'm not aware of any other announcements. Let's take a moment to prepare our hearts, prepare our minds to hear God speak to us. And then John Van Voris will, will lead us in the call to worship. Let's begin with a call to worship from Proverbs chapter 1 and 3 and Matthew chapter 11. I will read the portions that describe the leader's part, and all you read along with me. I won't be able to hear you, but read along with me where we say all together. Let's begin. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks, how long, O simple ones, will you lo love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Together. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Come, let us learn from God's wisdom, Jesus Christ crucified for us, who promises that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Let's bow in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you knowing that your will conquers all things. And there is no comfort in anything apart from enjoying you and learning from you and serving you and worshiping you together with our brothers and sisters. You are all in all. We are well, well pleased with your will, whatever it may be or whatever it should be in all respects. We rejoice to think that all things are at your disposal and that delights us to leave them with you. What can we give you for all your benefits? We desire to make some return to you but have nothing to offer. So we can only rejoice that you do all. You are the author and finisher of our faith. The whole work of our redemption is yours alone. Every good work or thought found in us is the effect of your power and your grace at work. Your only motive in working in us is to will and to do according to your good pleasure. And so, Lord, we desire to worship you in a pleasing way to you this day. We offer our voices, our minds, our hearts, our attentions, and our affections to you as we approach you and pray that you would be glorified in us to accomplish the purposes that you have ordained for us this day. We gather to worship you in Jesus' name and because of what he has done in our behalf. Amen. Now we'll turn and sing together for the beauty of the earth. And Brandon is going to display the words on the screen, I believe, for us. I I apologize. I'm trying to share this screen, but I'm thinking it's not going to work. Uh, so I'm going to stop share. I, say, I can see it. Oh, you can. Okay. Brandon, I'm not sure if you're in. We, we've um, updated to version 5, and we're having all sorts of trouble. I apologize. We're at the mercy. Nate, I'm going to stop sharing and see if you can actually do it. Okay. I'll see if I can do it. Uh, let's see. I'm going to find it here. There it is. Is that working? At home, you can do it number 116. Can you see it? I can see it. Okay. We're good. Are we going? Yep. Go ahead. All right. Here, let's begin. For the beauty of the earth, for the glory of the sky, for the love. 
Thanks, John. I apologize. I don't know what's going on with Zoom, but I'm glad we're, it seems like people are able to hear us. So, uh, Jim, are, are you able to tune in and pray for us? I'm hearing silence. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Okay. I'm just, I'm just jockeying things around. Hang on. <laughs> okay. It's, is it time to pray? I can't tell. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thanks. Okay. Well, let's pray together. Lord, we, we thank you for uh, giving us another day of this week to be able to glorify you and to be mindful of uh, who we are as bearing images of, uh, of the creator. And now, Lord, because of Christ and your resurrection and your transforming love and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, Lord, we we realize now that we are we represent and reflect the the image of Christ. That uh, you are um, you have blessed us with that great great privilege now of being able to uh, bear that image, and we we do it with such with such honor and humility, Lord. Today, as we even think about what that means, and so you've given to us this day as we all gather here this privilege of thanking you for giving us that gift. And we pray that Lord, as we do that, as we walk in the world uh, every day, as we walk in our lives on this uh, pilgrimage, this exodus, as we are all sojourners until that, till we land into that, uh, that place of, of heaven and recreation, Lord, with you, we, we, we thank you for being with us along our side, not as a, 
pillar of light or a pillar of cloud or any kind of the theophany, Lord, it is uh, we're thankful that you are with us uh, because um, you are you are our redeemer and our savior. And, and now, Lord, we can have your personal presence in each of our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, uh, we rejoice in knowing that today. Father, we pray that uh, you would uh, be with us as we realize that how imperfect uh, we continue to bear that image. Uh, we're thankful that your your uh, your faithfulness is always uh, always there. You're consistent in your love for us, consistent in your care for us. And yet, Lord, we realize that throughout the moment of the day and throughout each week, we realize, Lord, that uh, we do not hold that image uh, very brightly. Uh, we are very mindful that we are clays, jars of clay. And uh, Lord, it is amazing that you have deemed deemed it that we should be uh, representatives of your grace and mercy and carry this image that we now have of Christ uh, because it is the, the most perfect image that we can carry because of you, Jesus. So uh, Lord, there are days when we feel that... Uh, we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and we are we and we always are. But there are times when we feel very good about that, and in other times, Lord, this earthenness we really feel a lot of the time. So we 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 thank you uh, for being with us and giving us uh, the opportunity today to to thank you for being the God who uses us in spite of of how earthen we can be at times. But it's really not about the container. It's about what's inside that matters, Lord. And we want the world to know and we want ourselves to know. And we want this group of gathering people today to know that uh, you are a God who is faithful and merciful and loving. And we, we thank you for that. So, Lord, as we walk through the week and we realize and we feel whether uh, there are some of us among us who are uh, suffering and in pain and uh, will be seeking medical help, Lord, we pray that you'll be with them as they suffer with this pain and as they struggle with uh, uh, holding on and until the next step comes from the medical world to be able to help them, Lord, we, we love them and thank you for them and pray that you'll uh, keep them strong and, and as we have already known that uh, they, you have given them the gift of faith to trust in who you are, no matter Sometimes we find ourselves with uh, uh, a vertigo in this world. It is uh, sometimes we feel that we, we, what we see in front of us is not very clear. But Lord, your word tells us that you are very clear and you are very strong and very faithful to us. So as we find ourselves struggling to work with, with through anxieties, uh, with this uh, disease, with this virus, this COVID going on around us, Lord, as we wait for some sense of opportunity to be able to do things that were so normal for us before. Lord, we pray that you'll keep our hearts uh, fixed upon you and that our eyes will be focused upon you, that our hearts are desiring to complain as we do. Our hearts are, are concerned and fearful and anxious as we are. But Lord, we realize that you know that about us already and yet died for us, Jesus. And so we, we realize that, Father, you are right with us all the way, that uh, our relationship uh, 
with you does not change and that you are patient with us and that you care for us. So as we work through this day, as we work through our week, as we find ourselves with any and every kind of struggle we can have or every mountaintop experience we may be experiencing, we, we, we pray, Father, that you'll keep, help us to keep our focus upon you. So be with us, Lord, Lord, now the rest of this day and rest of this service. Uh, Lord, this is not what we would want as a broken kind of um, technology or uh, our, our ability to fellowship the way that uh, we would love to do that. But Lord, you are pleased with our desire to gather together, our desire to hear your word, our desire to have some sort of fellowship. So we lift this up to you today, Lord, as a, a sacrifice of praise to you this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're going to confess our faith together. It's an opportunity to be united from afar in one heart, one mind. We get to hear God speak to us. And so we're going to hear this call to come back to the gospel from the book of Galatians, from the Chelners. So I'll ask if they would read Galatians 1, Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify, justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Thank you. Thank you. We, we come now to confess our sins together. And it is, it's the surprising kindness of God to us in Christ Jesus that, that gives us the freedom to be honest with God, with one another, uh, to, to see the gospel more clearly and how, how loved we really are despite the things we've done and, and think and say. And so I'm going to use Psalm 51 again this week in Matthew 11. Uh, it's try, we're repeating Matthew 11, trying to get you to see this is God's, this is the heart of Jesus to be want to be with sinners. And so let that kindness uh, draw us out of hiding. Let's pray together. It says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, 
so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners will return to you. Father, teach us now to take Jesus's yoke of kindness upon ourselves, for he is drawn to our broken spirits and contrite hearts. Thank you, Lord, for being gentle and lowly in heart, unashamed to dwell with sinners like us. Change us to be like him, we pray. Amen. Amen. Take a moment now to pray confidently and quietly to Jesus, our great high priest. We get get to come in and, and talk to him. We continue to meditate on the good news of our God. This is hear the assurance of pardon from Colossians 2. Um, and listen very clearly what happened to everything that you just confessed. It says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, with Jesus, having forgiven us all our trespasses, canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. It has been paid. We no longer need to carry that guilt or shame or fear to rest in Christ, rest in him. All right, well, I wanna take a moment and talk directly to the kids. And so if you have video, it'd be great to see you. Um, but we are learning the Lord's Prayer, that we get to call God Father, uh, that we want other people to know God as Father, and we want ourselves to believe that he is Father, right? We hallow his name. We get to know his name. And then the next part of the Lord's Prayer is your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. I'm going to stop the screen share so you can see me here. Right, so what does it mean when we pray, God, may your kingdom come? Right, and I was trying to picture in my head, what does it look like for you kids to, to know what is a life like with a king? And you probably haven't, you don't have a king, we have a president. <laughs> and if we were in person, we'd have all kinds of fun conversations about that. Right, but how many of you have seen, we've watched this a couple times during our quarantine, how many of you have seen the movie, uh, Robin Hood, right? The, the Disney cartoon, right? With, you got the, uh, the, the King Richard's brother, right? He's a, he's a lion, he's, he's kind of scrawny and, and weaselly looking, right? And he, whenever he gets scared, he sucks his thumb and cries for his mommy, <laughs> right? 
But all he does as the king is take money from the poor and the kingdom, the place where people live, it's not a great place to be. Right? People don't like him. They don't like the sheriff of Nottingham who enforces his will and tells people what to do. They keep stealing from them. They're hungry, they're poor, they're hurting. Right? Because they have a bad king, life stinks. So when we pray, when you pray, Jesus, God, may your kingdom come. We are praying, Jesus, be the king and make things right everywhere that are sad. Be the king you promised to be. So when you are sad and you say your kingdom come, you're saying, wipe away my tears. Take away death. Fix this coronavirus. May your kingdom come. May people be well. Um, right, where, where Jesus is king, he is changing people and he's changing stuff. Right? He's changing me, help me to trust him as king, and he's changing the world. So when you pray your kingdom come, we have a good king. When there's a good king, well, we, life is better. <laughs> so as we learn to pray your kingdom come, think about that. We have Jesus who loved us, who died for us, who gave himself up for us on the cross. That is the king we pray for to come down and be king on earth and fix what is sad in the world. All right, well, let's, let's pray this prayer together. It says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, if you will turn in your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter 2. Creeping along here, but there's a lot of really good, helpful teachings in Colossians. It's all packed in tightly. But what we're, we're learning over and over again is, is Paul is teaching these new Christians to, to what is life like in Christ, which is another way of saying, you are really close to Jesus. You can't get any closer. So why would you want to go anywhere else? Right. Stay close to Jesus. There is a fullness in Jesus, a fullness of God, of his power, of his grace, of his presence in Christ with you right now than we're even more aware of. So don't leave him. That, that's the section in Colossians we're in. So today I want to read verses, uh, well, I'll read 18 to, to 23. And uh, this is leading into then how then shall we live in the next few weeks. So Let's read God's word. This is God's word speaking to us today. It says, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, 
Why as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used according to pre human precepts and teachings. These have an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. And this is God's word. It is true and trustworthy and spoken to us today in love in his son. So let's, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, you are kinder to us than we deserve. You are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And you have lavished on us grace upon grace upon grace in, in your son, Jesus. So I pray you give us eyes to see that this morning, that the eyes of our hearts would be gripped by the beauty and wonder of what we have been given in the gospel, that we would have strength from you to fight this indulgence of the flesh, my, our own inherent selfishness. May the gospel, the power of Jesus with us, and what he has done, change us to be like him, we pray. We pray this in the name of Jesus, who is able to sympathize with all our weaknesses as our great high priest, who is without sin and willing to help. Amen. Amen. Hey, Nate, can I just interrupt for one second? I'm going to mute everyone. Yep. Just for one second and see if we can. Got it. Okay. You are now <laughs> unmuted. All right. Thank you. That's helpful. All right. Well, so let's get started. What, what, what this is talking about is saying God has an agenda for your life. Uh, it is an agenda for change. Right? that God's desire for us, he loves us too much to let us stay the same. Or in Paul's words in verse 19, right? we're going to grow up. We're going to grow with a growth that is from God. So, right? Grow maturity. Growing up, changing. That's what God does to us as we connect together to Jesus, the head. Right? So, we're, we're getting, getting right into the heart of Paul's letter, and he is deeply interested in the Colossian church showing the world that Jesus is with them, and it's a completely different way of living, right? And I imagine, it's not, it's not too hard to imagine, change is one of the main reasons anyone starts to look for help outside themselves. It's one of the main reasons we, we look to religion. I mean, maybe that's why you're here joining in, or why you came to faith in Jesus long ago. Um, you want to change. Well, we're glad you're here. <laughs> we all want to change. You're in the right place. Um, and this is a great time to work on this as we're stuck at, at home with ourselves. I mean, so let me ask you that question as we jump in. What do you want to change? What kind of growth do you want to see come to you from God in Christ? I mean, perhaps it's your, your anxieties right now. That that probably ebb and flow. I mean, that's how it's been for me, right? The anxiety was high at the beginning of this quarantine and it's come down and then there's been other weeks where it's up and we're all around. I want that to change. I want to be a person of faith. Right? Or maybe you're familiar with this. You love Jesus, but you have a terrifying temper that you can't get a hold of. You know Jesus is gentle, 
and lowly in heart towards others, <laughs> towards you who, fit, who failed, but you want your temper to be put under wraps, right? to be tamed. Or maybe you know this, you love, you're loved by Jesus, but you're afraid of failure, so you don't try new things. You're, you're, right? you're always been one to shy away from hard things. You know Jesus endured the pain of the cross until it was finished, and then there's, there's just a spirit of procrastination that's still in you. And so you don't start. Or others, right? We love Jesus, but our thought life is dominated. Maybe your thought life is dominated by lust. Even though you know Jesus honored every human body, male and female, without oppression or abuse, and gave you his own blood spent forgiveness. And yet, it, you still want to click on those websites. You're, I mean, there's all kinds of places that we want to change. You know, you're addicted to your smartphone. Um, you love Jesus, but you're just known by everyone as a complainer, a grumbler. But even though you know that Jesus was silent like a lamb to the slaughter as he went to the cross, submitting to God's will. Right? And this is how we, we live our lives in Christ and we come to God for help. And this is what we do outside of Jesus, as we say, okay, I need to fix myself. I need a plan. Some of you are planners, right? I'm going to get some rules, some habits, some routine. I'm going to change rules and regulations tomorrow. I'll be better. I'm going to tell myself to stop it. Uh, Paul talks about asceticism and severity to the body, right? Fasting, extreme spiritual discipline. Maybe you have this internal dialogue where you're yelling at yourself or you watch a bunch of TED Talks on YouTube, how others fix this problem. And Paul says, how's that working out for you? Have you figured out that, that regulations and rules cannot stop you, that they are useless in the battle against the indulgence of the flesh in verse 23? Right? This is why change is so hard, because humans have a problem. You can yell at it. You can hate it. You can hurt yourself trying to eradicate it. You can set up rules and boundaries and, and tie up and keep yourself away from that thing that is harming you. And all of these techniques on the outside looking in will look like wisdom. Like you're pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. But it doesn't change what is inside this indulgence of the flesh. He says rules are useless in stopping it. Useless. Rules and regulations to try and change. They're like a one foot high fence around your garden. Not only do they have no power to keep the deer out of your spinach, it doesn't get the deer to stop wanting to eat your spinach. Right? So what is this indulgence of the flesh that Paul is, is pushing back against and telling us that, that we need changed? Well, there's a couple ways to think about it. It's what, what helps me think about it is it's my endless pursuit of pleasure for me. Right? It's, it's that thing that makes us like animals, slaves to our appetites. I want, I crave, therefore I do, and I can't stop me. There's a great picture of indulgence of the flesh from Isaiah chapter 56. 
And so this is a little bit poetic and I'll highlight where it is, but it basically it says, all you beasts of the field come to devour, all you beasts in the forest. And then it looks at the dogs. It says, they have a mighty appetite. They never have enough. Right? They're always hungry. They want more. They're not filled. And then it looks at the leaders and describes them. And here's the, where the poetry's going. It says, they are shepherds who have no understanding. They've all turned to their own way, each to his own gain, one and all. So if you can picture this, indulgence of the flesh is we have this mighty appetite. We never have enough. And we turn to our own way, trying to get out of life what we can. It's this beastly thing that makes life all about me. And so setting up rules to change that, <laughs> it's like telling a hungry dog, stop wanting that steak. I can't do it. Right? So if you have that problem and we want to change, how do we get there? Right, and here's what's happening in Colossians. In the Colossian church, there are these false teachers running around saying, if you keep these rules and regulations, like fasting, like starving your body to, to show how serious to God you are, uh, as you abstain from touching, from eating, from handling, from touching the wrong things, you know, make yourself as pure as possible through your own work. I mean, asceticism, it's an old word. It's about severity to your body. I mean, maybe you can remember some of the pictures of these old monks in like 300 AD sitting out on a platform by themselves in the middle of the desert, sweating and starving all for God's sake, beating up their body. Right. And the goal of these false teachers in the Colossian church that were trying to take these Christians away from Jesus and to have a different mystical experience with the angels. So the goal was fast, be good, make yourself pure in order to get this vision of heaven. And Paul says all of that is powerless to stop your own self-gratification because you are still you wanting what you want. Right? And that's that's what we're going to talk about and meditate on today, that these that rules and these spiritual experiences, I mean, you may not have a desire to worship angels, but we all have this deep desire to have some kind of mountaintop spiritual experience where you know for absolutely sure that God is real, he is with you, and he loves you. When that desire takes over, we do all kinds of weird things to get it. <laughs> Paul says, let's compare is gonna get us to compare that to what we have in Christ. What, what do we have in Jesus? All right. So, longer introduction, but how do we grow up connected to Jesus? How do we change without submitting to worldly rules, man-made rules and regulations? How do we avoid that and enjoy and be changed by what we have in Jesus? And so Paul in verse 19, says, I want you to hold fast to the head. Hold fast to the head. That's the metaphor for change. The way you change is to hold fast to Jesus, the head of the body. That Jesus is the head of the body, the church. And this is such a potent picture of what we have in the gospel. I just want to camp out here because it'll help you see Paul's logic. 
right? Jesus so identifies with us, the church, that, that we are his body and he is the head. That we are joined through ligaments and joints to him, which is a pretty powerful image to say that uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, there is never a moment where you are disconnected from him. If he is the head, you are the body. That means God has joined you together in a way that is inseparable. Right? I mean, God's new humanity and his new creation that began with Jesus' resurrection, it's a people intimately connected and submitting to Jesus. And because we're connected to his body, we're nourished by him, we're cared for by Jesus, we are fed and loved by Jesus with the same intensity Jesus would have for his own physical body. Yeah. Ephesians 5, 29 and 30 explains this very well. It says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just like Christ does for the church because we are members of his body. Do you, do you hear that? Right? Jesus loves the church the way he loves his own body. They're, they're, they're inseparable. Right? Think about it this way. What does it look like to love your neighbor as yourself? Look at Jesus loving the church, loving the body. We can't not think about ourselves, indulgence of the flesh, but Jesus he can't not care for us because we are his body. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to get your mind wrapped around this, that Jesus's selfishness, caring about his own body is actually selfless because it's about loving us, the church, his body. And this is the, this is the core power of the gospel is you are united, you are knitted together, you are joined to the head, Jesus Christ. And Paul says, this is, this is spirituality. This is the power of the gospel. Hold fast to the head. Right. So what does that mean? What, do you, what benefits do you have as Christ's body? Um, and this is part of the argument of Colossians. This is the reason you don't need Jewish feasts or heavenly visions or angelic worship to change because we have... We, we are the body of Christ. We are the church. So here's, here's what it means. First, Christian, follower of Jesus, you have immediate access to the fullness of God, being joined to Christ's body. Paul has sprinkled this truth all the way through the letter. So if you stop and ask, where is Jesus' physical body? Well, chapter 3, verse 1, it's seated right next to God in the heavenly places. If you are Christ's body, you are seated with him in heaven, right next to God, the Father, which means you're receiving praise. Well, Jesus is receiving praise from the angels, from God the Father, that Jesus is the one the angels long to look at. Jesus is the son who in love suffered and died so that we humans might be with him and he with us. And so part of what I'm trying to get you to wrestle with 
is can you really get a fuller spiritual experience than being seated right next to God the Father as a part of Jesus's body? Jesus is fully loved, infinitely loved, more than we can imagine. He is praised. Right? The angels look at him and cover their faces in Isaiah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and they, they can't even look at him. Right? And we who have been made a little bit lower than the angels, <laughs> through faith in Jesus, are now declared to be a part of Christ's body all the way in. As Paul said earlier in Colossians, you have been filled in Christ in whom all the fullness of God dwells, which means as the church, you have the fullness of God filling you if you're a Christian. That, that's, that's the power of the gospel. You have immediate access into full fellowship with the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. That's part of being the body of Christ. You're joined to Jesus and brought in. Right? So if you're to aim with all your rules and regulations to have this amazing spiritual experience to worship next to the angels in heaven, that's too low of a bar to aim for. Right? These mystical visions and angelic worship, are, right? that's, that's to be a passive observer of what's going on in heaven. It's far too weak for Paul's metaphor. Jesus, in the gospel, by making us his body, is bringing us into active participation in the life of God. That's the metaphor. He has giving us, given us everything we need for faith and godliness, as Peter would say, partakers of the divine nature. We, we are the connected, same same stuff. Right. Second, if that is true, and this is where legalism sucks us in and these man-made rules, this is an immense amount of hope for you who are suffering right now and you who are sinning, which is 100% of humanity at the moment in different ways. Right? Because the man-made religion that Paul is communicating against in Colossians chapter two, right? They're being told if you, if you suffer, if you make yourself suffer in order to do good, then God will bring you all the way in. It's the exact opposite of what Paul's saying with us being the body of Christ and being in, right? And this is where legalism sucks us in because as we submit to these rules and regulations, it looks like we're figuring stuff out. It looks like if we do this right, we won't suffer, we'll change, God will work for us, we'll have his help. And that's, that's completely missing the power of being connected to Christ's body. Right? So think, think through this with me. If we are Christ's body, that means when we aren't well, suffering, when our physical body is falling apart, the head of the body, Jesus Christ, notices because we're united. He can't not notice you who are in Christ. Right? I mean, I don't notice my, my pinky toe on a Monday morning unless I have stubbed it, unless it is hurting. 
right? right? I don't wake up in the morning, right? It's Tuesday, my pinky toe is crushing it today. It feels great. No, you don't notice anything at all until it hurts because it's just operating as things ought to operate. When it suffers, when a part of my body hurts, that's when my head is saying, hello, something's wrong. We need to fix this. So if you are physically unwell, Jesus, Jesus notices intensely because it's his own body. His eyes are on the sparrow. And how much more value are we who are Christ's body? promises he will nourish you and feed you with what you need to get through each day. So this is the everyday gospel reality. If you are a part of Christ's body, it's to submit to Jesus and his way of life, but you do so as, as a sufferer and a sinner, someone who is not well that Jesus is paying close attention to because you are not well, not because you're getting it right. He knows who you are because you're connected to him by faith. Right? So that's why I'm saying this morning, Jesus is more committed to changing us than we are because we're joined to his body, because we're connected to his body and we're not well, he's going to work to make us well. Um, could, could add on to that, right? Because we're connected to his body, anytime we change, if you grow up because you're connected to Jesus's body, it's God growing you. This is a gift. Anytime you love with a Christ-like love, you, you forgive someone in your household, uh, your neighbor, you're putting on compassion, you're being joyfully generous or serving, uh, doing so in a way simply because you love God and you love Jesus. You do so because you're connected to him. That is the result of God growing us. <laughs> Those things don't force God to work for us. We grow, we change because God is serving us in Christ. I mean, this is such a powerful image to describe what it means to be a Christian. That's why I ended up in my preparation just camping out here. <laughs> I didn't get very far past, past verse 19. Right, if you're joined and knit together as Christ's body, if you change, it's not, it's because God is growing us together. I mean, just imagine, imagine a 17 year old graduating high school saying, you know what? I did exactly what it takes to get here. I worked hard. I changed my own diapers. I nourished myself. I heated up the bottle on my own. I figured out math all by myself. I drove myself to all my sports practices. I did it. Therefore, parents do, do what I want. That's what submitting to human regulations in order to get God to bless you sounds like to God the Father. It's irrational. It doesn't make sense if you are connected to Christ's body by faith, and that's what we are as the church. If we grow, it's a gift of grace. And again, this is hope for sinners. If you think, we tend to think, oh man, I blew it again. I lost my temper. I did that thing. I really want it to change. I hate me. Therefore, God must be disgusted with me. Jesus so disappointed. Guess what? 
we who love to make our faith in Jesus about us. <laughs> if you are joined to Christ's body and you are sick with sin and unwell, well, what did Christ come to do for his body, the church? Well, he said in Matthew 9, those who are well have no need of a physician, except for those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Meaning when you're struggling, uh, when this thing is just kicking your butt because you keep doing it again and again and again and again, and you're wondering, am I even a Christian, right? Jesus, the great physician, if you are connected to him by faith as his body, he knows that that pinky toe or that elbow or that eye is not well, and he is going to give you mercy to go to work against that thing because you are his body. Christ nourishes his body. He feeds us. That's Paul's point. We're joined to the one who loves us and gave himself up for us and continues to love us because we are his body. So you got that picture in your head. Therefore, do not let anyone look down on you because you haven't had a cool ex vision, vision of heaven or a mystical experience with the angels. You can't get any better than being Christ's body. So to the degree your heart and mind understand this new reality of being joined to Christ the head and you hold fast to him, the more you understand this new reality of being in Christ, of being Christ's body, the less you will be attracted to other spiritualities. I mean, that's, that's the command, hold fast to Jesus. Right. So if someone comes along and says, submit to these regulations, you're going to have a better spiritual experience. You're even going to sit with the angels. Why beat up your body when Jesus suffered in his body so that you didn't have to? Why beat up your body to get closer to God when you're already in Christ and already connected to Jesus? The gospel is always turning things around. We think, if I obey, therefore must God, God must bless me. That's religion. Uh, that's the, the way of living with these elemental spirits in, in Colossians that we're going to talk about in a moment. Now it's, you have been blessed. You have been connected to Jesus by faith. It's a gift of grace. Therefore, live differently. It is never live differently in order to get God to do. Now, there's one more part to this, um, to this verse. I'm, I'm just taking verse 19 and ringing the whole thing out. But it says he's also knitting us together. Right? God has an agenda for your, for your life in Christ. It's to join you to the church, to other Christians. And so if our problem is I make life all about me with my self-indulgence of the flesh of wanting to do what feels good to me, everything about the gospel is changing that. That God, through Jesus's body, the church, not only connects us to a savior who loves us, but also to a community who love us as well. We're going to come alongside us and say, hey, that, that, that isn't well. Let me pray for you. Let me... Let's, let's look to Christ together to fix this because I can't do this on my own and neither can you. 
God's change project for your life in Jesus always involves the church. It always involves other people, other people that also need to change. Right? We are, we're broken instruments, uh, broken tools in, in the Redeemer's hands being used to put others back together again. So you're saying, I want to change. Hold fast to Jesus, the head. And Jesus, as the head, joins you to other body parts who have what it takes to help you change in particular. It means I can't change without you, and you can't change without me. We are members of one another in Christ. That's part of what it means to be the body. Now, second point, much shorter. We got to put to death, or we have died to all forms of legalism. I think it's Right, if we're, we're meditating on being on the body, that here's, here's the, the context, right? If you have all this in Jesus and more as the body, why would you live as if regulations and rules will have, to have anything to do with the indulgence of the flesh, right? If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Don't taste, don't touch, don't handle. These things are just going to perish. Uh, he's, he's trying to highlight that this is a, a man-made religion. This isn't like Jesus from God. Right? Everything revolves around Jesus. So I imagine uh, this is a strange way of talking about spirituality, right? You don't think about the elemental spirits of the world very often. But it's saying... Uh, you who are in Christ, right? elemental spirits, what they are, just one way, a way of talking about other spiritualities, other gods. It's describing life before being a Christian, the way you used to live, which is to submit to regulations in order to get something good. Right? And it, particularly in Colossians, uh, the elemental spirits are these other gods all the way around them, and they're surrounded by all kinds of different ways to be spiritual, to be religious. And so Paul's saying, you died to those, so you don't need them. Maybe this will help. I found this illustration helpful. And an archaeologist found in a Greek temple in, in Colossae, uh, similar descriptions of the spirituality that Paul is warning against here in chapter 2. And, and here's, here's the story of two, two ordinary Colossian citizens. They want to change. They want the God's help. And so they come to the temple. Right? And here's the inscription that they found on an ancient Greek temple. It says these guys, Crispus and Poplius, right? there's some new kid names for you. Crispus and Poplius, they came in order to seek a revelation from the gods. And so they underwent an initiation in order and, and to walk into this inner holy place. And so the world they lived in is that there were a bunch of rules and rituals and hardship to the body that if you go through them, you will get close to the gods and access to their power and revelation in order to get them to do something for you. You can go all the way into the holy place if you submit to these rules and regulations. And so that's what Crispus and Populius did. They beat up their bodies. They went through initiation in order to get close to the gods. 
And Paul's argument is, hey, you are the Christ body. You are the temple. God is with you. You died to these elemental spirits when Jesus died on the cross. So why would you submit to these regulations when they did nothing to keep you from only living for you in the first place? They couldn't restrain the beast, the ravenous beast that is my selfishness. Right. So this is strange, but, but I think we get it. I think we get it. This is, this is what we call legalism. Uh, it, it, it's always lurking in the background when, we're, when you're trying to learn how to follow Jesus. It's, there's Christian ways of being a legalist and there's non-Christian ways of being a legalist. But it's when you submit to rules and regulations in order to get God to work for us. And legalism, especially in this passage, is, is one way to inherently focus on yourself. Of asking, what do I must, what must I do? There's here the center of gravity. What must I do to get closer to God? Right? And if I do all these things, if I submit to these rules and regulations, then I'm in, then I'm close. And what legalism does, well, it makes me the Lord and God the servant. It's the complete inverse, the opposite of the gospel. It's a completely different religion. Paul calls it self-made and human-centered. It's self-made religion. This is how legalism works. When I'm doing well, when I'm living up to the rules and regulations, when I'm keeping my steps and generally being awesome, Right? I feel great. Um, I'm in. I know God is with me. You know, there's other people out there that aren't doing so well. So they're, they're clearly further away from God than I am because I'm doing this great. <laughs> right? That, that legalism, that system grows naturally a judgmental spirit. You can't not judge somebody when you're doing well and someone else is doing poorly. Then the flip side of that is when I'm doing poorly, when I'm not keeping these rules and regulations, when I've blown it, God feels really far away. And then I feel disqualified because I'm not doing as well as these other Christians. So I got to start over. And that is not the gospel. The gospel, whether you are doing well or doing poorly, ask the body of Christ. You are still connected to him. And he will nourish you, forgive you, cherish you to restore you to health. The gospel is that Jesus, by sheer grace alone, chose to suffer with his physical body on the cross, take the judgment we deserve for the things we've done to make ourselves happy without God, so that we might be his body, that we can rise with him, seated in the heavenly places, and literally share in the praise that Jesus earned with his obedience. We're going to talk about this next week. I mean, the gospel is he held fast to you when you were not well as a sinner until he breathed his last. Therefore, hold fast to him as you see you are not well because he's the head. Right, it's, it's not be holy, be good in order to get God. It's you've received grace, therefore be holy. 
And there is no religion, no way of life, no spirituality that functions like this. It's just sheer grace from beginning to end. Legalism, if you submit to these rules and regulations, man, it, it, it's, it's selling you a lie. And it's going to make you feel farther away than you actually are in Christ. All right. Let me end this way. We've talked a little bit about legalism. We've talked about just the beauty of being Christ's body. This is the last part of Christ's argument, and we're going to go into more detail next week about this. But Paul's argument is, if you died to these elemental spirits, why would you submit to something you're already free from? You have a new, otherworldly, Jesus-centered identity. We live differently because we are in Christ. And then the way I was thinking about this, it came to me right before the service started, actually. Um, you know, back in the eight Civil War, um, there's all kinds of, of documentation about this. That is the, the, the slaves were freed, emancipated for the first time in their lives. Right? They'd lived in a world of rules and regulations, and they had their masters, and they had to submit. And it was all these awful, horrible experiences. But just because they heard you are now free. It did not mean that others tried to to get force them to submit after, and it did not mean that they knew how to live out of that freedom. So you can picture this this new frown, newly freed slave coming and, and crossing the road and passing by his former master. Everything in him because he used to obey and that's all he knew wants to submit to him, to do what he says. He has to learn how to live in this new reality that he has died to because of this declaration of freedom that happened. It's very similar for us as Christians. We have to learn, and that's what Colossians 3 is going to take us to do. Learn how to lean into our Jesus identity, to say no to these man-made regulations, And to say yes to what Jesus is making us and shaping us into. That's good news. If you want to know what the kind of person Jesus, this is God's change project for your life. This is the kind of person you're going to be made into in chapter three. We're going to put to death sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil controlling desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. You're going to take away anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lying. You're going to be renewed to be like Jesus, chapter 3. And then you're going to, as you take those away, you're going to look, put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. You're going to become a tougher person with annoying people, which is great news when you're stuck at home. <laughs> and we're all, we're all social, socially distanced and isolated with people. Right? You're going to become a person who bears with one another in the church, in our home, in our communities, in our neighbors. If someone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive, put on love, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So if you're going to become that kind of person, why do you need to submit to these self-made ways 
of its self-improvement. Now, if you hold fast to Jesus who loves you, who gave himself up for you, this is the kind of person he is at, at work right now, growing you with the growth from God to become. And the best news is you don't have to do it yourself. We have one another. So go and learn what it means to hold fast to the head, to Jesus, the head of the body, the church, who nourishes us, who cherishes us and loves us as he loves his own body. Let's pray. Our Father and God, we thank you for just the wonder of the gospel again, that we, we say like David, who are we that you are that mindful of us? And you're mindful of us when we're not well. So I pray for those who are listening, who are feeling their not wellness today and, and, and this week, Lord, that they would know in particular today that you see them, you hear their cry, you have compassion on them. And, and because Christ came and, and lived and suffered in every way we are yet without sin, he is able to sympathize, suffer with us as our great high priest, and is able to help us in our time of need. So I pray for all of us, Lord, that we would run to Jesus, for it is there we find life and health and peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, let's, uh, let's sing All I Have is Christ, and I'll ask John to lead us in that song. Good. Just hope everything sounds good. Let's start together here. We can hear you. Okay, great. I'll get the lyrics here.
before I uh, read our benediction, I just want to encourage you if this brought up questions or like to talk about the sermon or just just in general, you need someone to talk to because we are on like week nine or 10 here of, of this COVID thing, or you need any kind of financial material help, we at Hope Church are here to serve you. And so just feel free to get a hold of me, pastor at Hope Church. You can call the office, uh, 885-7442. But we love you guys and miss you and, and hear God's benediction. And when you hear the mountains bursting into song, it's a poetic picture of what will happen when Jesus returns at the end of all things. It says, now to you who were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, who have now been reconciled to God through the death of Christ, who have been brought into his own presence and stand holy and blameless before him without fault. Go out in joy and be led forth in peace until we hear the mountains burst into song before you and we see all the trees of the field clap their hands. May that day come soon and go now as witnesses of that joy and peace. Amen. Well, at this point, thank you for joining us. I want to sign off of Facebook.